What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig economy news and interviews, sponsored by Para and ParaWorks. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. Welcome to the Para Presents the Gig Economy, a weekly discussion discussion hosted by uh, myself and David Pickerell, the CEO of Para. David, how are you doing? I'm good. Nice. Okay. Thought we didn't have sound for a minute. <laughs> uh, this week's topics is going to be other apps and websites and other ways to earn, but we're also going to address on something that we talked about in episode two, which was. Uh, deactivated slash declined a little bit but um one of our guests here tonight had an experience last week and i think it's worth talking about because it shows how petty and um how little care these companies have for drivers and why you should have an arsenal at your fingertips and not be don't if you i guess what i want to get across before we talk about that story is if you think you're on a couple apps and you're killing it and you're like, yeah, I hear about people getting deactivated, but that won't be me. That is something that you guys should get out of your head. It always could be you. It could be you for doing nothing. And it's very important that we all know that. So, uh, but before, okay, before we jump in though, let's welcome this week's amazing panel. We got John Dash Theory TV with us. We got Lisa, the Driven Mom. And we have Hannibal is Hungry. And of course, I already said David. David's here every week with me. So uh, you can find their links to their channels in the show notes. Um, all of them have YouTube channels and all of them are worth checking out. So I guess, guys, uh, let's jump right in. So Lisa. Um, yes. Last week. So last week, I already know the story, but I'm, I really want to hear it again. And mm -hmm. I want to see how these people react because they're all familiar with this. Um, last week you were deactivated by Uber I in was. the same day or was it the next day? Same day, right? So when the event happened was Friday and when I was deactivated was the following Tuesday. Okay. But then it was okay. And then I'll, I'll let you walk us through it, but she was deactivated and reactivated, which is very uncommon. Usually if they deactivate yeah. you, you're not going to get fight. reactivated, yeah. but, but, Sometimes they are looking into, I, I, I'm starting to think like they do look into this a little bit and go, Hey, she doesn't have any of this kind of stuff. And right. You know, I don't know. I, I, I think there is some weight given to it, even though I'm not even sure humans are dealing with it could just be algorithms and stuff. But um, why don't you just walk us through that from the beginning? Because I, I found it to be just an awful story. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I can smile about it now because it got resolved the way that it did. And I did get reactivated, but 
when it all happened, I was incredibly angry about it. Sure. So basically, um, December 9th, Friday, um, I was out driving Uber, doing rideshare, and um, I pulled up to a passenger who had two small children with her. And I rolled down my window, as I always do, and I said, hey, do you have, you know, booster seats for your kids? Because they look a little young. And I asked how old they were. And she said, yeah, no, we don't have any booster seats. And um, as a mother of five, I take it very seriously when people are trying to get into my car without the proper restraints for their children. I mean, obviously, it's in Uber's terms of service. The, the passenger is responsible to provide the safety seat for their child. And I drive in the state of Colorado where the law is you have to be in a booster seat until the age of seven unless your height and weight requirement like is met. And these two children did not, they were six and seven and they did not re- meet the height and weight requirement. Like there's no way. Right. Not like I have like a measuring stick, like at Elitch's or anything, but. But Lisa's a mom of five to those who don't know. Yeah. So she, she knows. She yeah. Can tell. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I told her I could not take her. I could not because she did not have the right restraints for her children. And I just drove around and parked right by where I was supposed to pick her up and waited for the timer to go out so that I could cancel and get paid for driving over there and waiting when it was her fault for not providing what she needed to do the ride safely. Um, She was very upset that I wouldn't take her. She was very upset that I wouldn't cancel because I had a conversation in the app, which I took a screenshot of. Wait, before you go any farther, I do want to say this because I know this about you, that normally as a rideshare driver, as somebody who's done many myself, Lisa would have canceled this if it was like right around the corner from where she was going or where she was at the time. But when you go take the time out of, okay, this is I'm, I'm multi-apping. This is my mission. Everything else is going off. I'm going to pick these people up and you have to drive a certain amount of time. That $5 is not making you money, but it is kind of necessary. It covers the gas to get you out of that situation. You're in, in fact, you're losing money anyway, but that $5 is something and it's deserved. Right. So go ahead. Yeah. I think it was, um, I don't remember exactly, but I do think that it was a good five to eight minute drive to get to the passenger from where I got the offer. And, um, honestly, a lot of times with the parents, when I pull up and I see that they don't have the right seats. I'm going to charge them a cancellation fee just because I think they need to understand the severity of what they're doing. Like they're putting their child in danger. I have, I am going to drive to the best of my ability to keep all my passengers safe, but I have no control what other drivers do. So if we get into an accident and that child's not properly restrained, they're at a much higher risk for injury and even like death. And I don't want that on my conscience. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take the liability for that. And we all know that if I were in an accident with those two little kids in my car, Uber's not going to do anything to, to reimburse me or save me from any of the legal troubles. Like 
Well, that would all once you, fall once, on once, me. once you break their TOS, they are free and clear yeah. too. It's not even like right. they're, I mean, they are, but it's not even like they're being the bad guy because taking on, taking minors or taking uh, children too small that need uh, car seats, that instantly breaks it for them. They don't, right. They're no longer involved. Right. So um, I took a screenshot of the conversation and she wanted me to cancel so that she could get another ride. And I told her, I said, you're welcome to cancel, but I have to wait for the timer because I want to get paid. And so either way, if she canceled or if I canceled, she was going to get charged the cancellation fee. So if she's in a hurry, just cancel, you know, she was upset though. She's all, that's not cool to do that. You don't want to take me. So you're trying to get paid for nothing. I'm going to report this. And I was like, no, I'm all, that's fine. I'm going to report you for trying to get rides without proper restraints for your child. It's in the terms of service. That was the end of our conversation. Cause at that point, um, the timer did finally run out and I was able to cancel and get paid. I didn't get paid $5. I got paid like three ninety eight. Um, but I know Boy, that, she, I, that I forgot she, about that too. You guys, mm-hmm. Lisa just turned, taught me that last week. I didn't even know that Uber is now taking a cut of the cancellation rate. Oh, right. Wow. They're taking 25% of the cancel rate. And that's because of, I believe because of the upfront earnings now that they decided that they're allowed to do that. Still your canceled ride. It's still your canceled right. five bucks. Right. So I took a screenshot of that conversation. And then after I ended the trip, um, I called Uber support to, I'm sorry, my, my children are texting me. Um, so then I called Uber support to tell them what happened. I had already gotten the cancellation fee, so I wasn't like worried about reimbursement. I just wanted it documented because I had a strong feeling that this lady was going to make a fuss. I mean, she said so in the chat, but I had a strong feeling that she was going to make a fuss about this. So I called support, just let them know, talked to like three different people because they were like, oh, let us transfer you to our safety team. I don't think I ever spoke to somebody on their safety team. They just kept transferring me to different people. And then I forgot about it because I thought, okay, it's resolved. And then Tuesday morning, I get a phone call. Well, I should say a phone call. Yeah, I got an email, but I didn't see the email until after I had the phone call. But the email says, that one of my writers reported that you refused them service on a recent trip. And their report states that this refusal of service was discriminatory. So they deactivated my account for that report. I get the phone call, not knowing that my account is deactivated. And they said that I refused service to this passenger because she was black. And I'm still mad. I guess I was, I thought I was over it, but I'm still mad about it. Um, I will never refuse service to a, another human being based on how much melatonin they have in their skin, because what you look like, like that does not matter to me. I don't have, I, I was even going to chime in here with in Denver. If you're not willing to take all races, you shouldn't be doing rideshare because we do have all races and we have a lot of Hispanic community here too. Big right. time. So you I, can't 
prejudice has no place in ride sharing. Right. You've taken you've taken many rides of people of all ethnic backgrounds. This is this right. was a play for her to get her not $5 have to pay a five dollar cancel yeah. rate, knowing or on some level having to know that that level of a complaint is going to make you lose your job, right, or your ability to work on the platform, right. Yeah, that that makes me sick. Five dollars makes up a lie. Knows you'll get you could literally get canned for that. Right. And because she was not a responsible mother, basically, like right. that's that's the real reason I refuse service to her is because she was not willing to keep her children safe while they were in my car. Like. It had nothing to do with her skin color, you know. Like yeah. I've literally. I'm glad you took. I, I'm glad whoever happened. it was. There, was, I know you were doing it this live, mm-hmm. and I'm glad whoever was in the live that told you uh, to take screenshots dead because oh, I think that was live. A, yeah, yeah, yeah no, live so, stream too. Uh, my husband and I we do uh, live stream ride alongs Friday and Saturday, and there was someone in our live stream chat that was like, "Oh, you better snap. You better like do a screenshot and call Uber support." And I'm super thankful for him. Huge shout out to Aaron. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would have done the Uber support anyways, but maybe not the screenshot. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think you got to document everything nowadays, especially. You never know when something's going to turn left like that. But um, right. I think, you know, having a community that can give you that advice and say the screenshot is huge. And I think, you know, a lot of times these customers, they're very selfish. They're looking for what's the best for them, whether it be to save the $5 or to, you know, potentially risk even their children in that case to get from point A to point B, which is, um, I think, all on the customer. So I think, you know, I'm glad you got reactivated. And I guess let me let you finish the story there because we haven't gotten to that part. Right. Yeah. So basically they called me and told me that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, no. I explained to them why I really declined service to this passenger and that it had absolutely nothing to do with their race. I mean, I don't care your race, your religion, your orientation, your, you know, gender identity. I do not care. As long as you have a car seat for your child, you're allowed in my (laughs) car, you know, like, if you or if it's an unaccompanied minor, because I've also had those happen, like yeah. you have to be in the car with your child. Yeah. Because I'm not I'm not taking on that liability either. Yeah. And like, yeah. So I well, told them by, what happened. Let's, let's 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 make that clear too, real quick. That by taking on that liability again, Uber. Once you break either of those rules, Uber, their portion of covering you is done. But realize, people, that whatever you have, I don't care if you if you don't have the right insurance, if you have something like Buckle that covers you, or if you have full-blown commercial insurance, they will all dump you, too. Yeah. You cannot yeah, have wow. a minor in your car that doesn't have an adult with them, and you cannot have kids without car seats. Um, I think that we talked about this last week. I think part of it, before you go any further, just real quick, is that um, the the cab industry allowed it for so many years. There are some people used to it. I don't think, and I wasn't there, but I don't think, based on what you told me, that that was the case. She seems like a professional canceller. Yeah, I would say that that this is not the 
I mean, and I feel this way with a lot of the parents where I go and tell them I won't take them because they don't have a car seat. They do not care. Like, they don't care. They know they'll tell me, well, other Uber drivers have done it. And I'm like, great. They're dumb for doing it. Like, sorry, but it's true. Like, don't don't take kids without car seats. Well, what I I was getting to by that, too, is that Uber knows or these customers know Uber won't deactivate me to call in and get my money back. Right. They know that. I know people, you know, I know people who, until I've talked to them, even who never did Uber ride share, but they've, they use it and they have canceled a lot on like things that until I talked to them that like, maybe they thought, well, that wasn't really worth the surge. And they went through like these and I'm like, you don't know what it does to the driver and like had these discussions, but people do get in this pattern of, I can just cancel it. Right. You know, I'll just make something up. This is how a lot of people get deactivated, you guys. I know it's different with food a little bit, but just so you guys understand, this is what happens day to day in rideshare. So on top of like protecting yourself, watching who you're picking up, all that kind of stuff. And why can't, you know, if Uber, here's my thing. Lisa's an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. If Uber wants to like coddle this lady who's making a a false claim, not have to take it any farther, why don't they give her $5, give Lisa $5 if that's what they want to do, and then make sure Lisa's never paired with that person again? Right. I mean, that's what a, some apps are out there kind of do. They have like, if you get a low rating from that person, you know, they're not going to pair you up with them again because obviously they're right. not providing the service you need. Yeah. Right. I think but in, with make, um, yeah. Rideshare, you cannot rate the person unless you give them the ride. So I am not able to one star a passenger simp- that has never gotten into my car. So yeah, especially because that's why the screenshots were important. Once you cancel, it's gone. Right. Mm-hmm. So and I that is the biggest thing that I took away from this because as soon as I told the support person, um, you know, that I had documentation for all of this, that I had the screenshots, that I I think honestly the screenshots really didn't come into play as much as me calling support and telling them that I talked to three different people with support. They were able to go back and see those call logs and understand that, okay, yeah, she did make a note of this. And um, so obviously what this customer is claiming, it's baseless. I think that's a huge piece for sure. Being proactive and being the person, you know, that's not just responding to something because they, when you respond, it looks worse to those platforms versus being the proactive one. I would say that moving forward, anytime that I have an interaction with a customer, whether it's like the car seat situation, unaccompanied minor, or, you know, someone being disrespectful, rude, in my car, if I have a feeling that this person is going to make some sort of fake claim about me, I'm going to document it like as soon as I end the ride. Because, yeah, I, I honestly think the only thing that saved me from this deactivation was that I had documentation for this event. Otherwise, I think I would still be deactivated. I mean, they asked some questions that to me didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, like they wanted to know if I called or text the passenger before I got to them. And I'm like, why would I do Which that? Which I thought was crazy weird because that to me, David, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but you have a little more experience behind the wall in the fortress of Uber. But honestly, if 
if I'm doing ride share and I pick up a ride, never, ever. I mean, there's so few times and you know why there might be a scenario where you're like, I better call. But normally under just any condition of go pick them up, there is no call. You just go get them. So for Uber to say, hey, would you have any connection with them beforehand? I feel like if if you sit by her answering no, that's what you should do. And I feel like that's the answer that looks bad. I have no idea, to be honest. I mean, the only thing I can think of is they're either like, did you see a picture of the lady and then, you know, make a judgment? I, I don't know, to be honest. Right. right. I, don't, I, see. I don't know why they would. Right. Well, okay. So that brings me to some para stuff. I know that it's, I mean, is there no way to flag a situation like this? Maybe down the road, something, uh, because this could be very important to the, to the rideshare portion. So that, that's a good question. I think uh, the, you would, uh, I think the way that Uber's auto decline flag, <laughs> I want to flag this. So the way that Uber's architected, you don't get the passenger information until the trip is accepted. So in this case, the trip was accepted. So yes, technically you could flag this lady and never get her again. So, right. I mean, that's a good thing to know too, because, you know, I mean, I don't know, just data coming back that this person's flagged at least, you know, cause in my opinion, she should just get the people who are, who are not going to be doing Uber very long. They're just trying it. They're not going to stick with it. Get the noobs. So um, what happened yeah. in the end? Did they sort of like hop on for the third time? And then they're just like, okay, your account's back on sort of are like. So, yeah. Um, you know, he asked me a few more questions, ended the conversation by asking me, you know, this is a yes or no question. Do you understand that Uber is a non-discriminatory company and you cannot deny a passenger service based solely off of, you know, and he rattled off all of the protected statuses. And I said, Yes, obviously, not an idiot. And then he said, okay, thank you for your time. Um, we're going to be looking into this and we'll get back to you shortly. And then, um, you know, I ranted to my husband about it. And then I got home and I saw, oh, I have an email that says my account was deactivated. And then I saw another email that said my account was reactivated. So, um, you know, between, I think the time... But actually, let me look because I can tell you really quick how quick. Han Hannibal, I want to ask you while she's looking. Okay, look. So if Uber is claiming that, um, hey, did you, do you know all this? Hey, do you know all that? You can't do this. Okay, yes. If, if she was being uh, racist or in any way like that, yes, she can't do that. But still, is it the place of Uber to tell her? Again, they want to have it both ways. They want to tell you what to do and yet they want you to be completely independent of, of everything, of everything they do. Yeah. It, it just puts the drivers in the most precarious and potentially an unfortunate situation. So I know Lisa, you know, it sucks that you went through that. It seems that um, particularly you, you know, Steve, you kind of mentioned this already that a lot of the apps will always go with the side of the customer when they complain. Um, it's to a point where, yeah, I know people, and I'm talking about the food delivery side, that if one thing is wrong with the order, you know, sometimes something changes or something is missing. And, you know, sometimes I don't even make a big deal of it. Like, as long as, you know, the food is still there and no one took a bite out of it, 
I, I, I'm fine. You know, I'm not going to be calling. But um, a lot of customers I've trained now, if they call and complain enough, they will get something in return. They'll get their a refund. They, it's not even a lot of questions being asked. And unfortunately, I don't know if they really understand that there's another human being on the other side of it that's working in terms of, you know, ride share or food delivery that will affect them in a really an important way where they're not unable to earn money because of the one little unfortunate instant that you may have to have been with or a frustration. So I'm assuming with this mother, she has two kids, she has to travel somewhere and I'm sure other drivers probably picked her up and did it. I'm I'm sure of it. And she's frustrated and she has to go somewhere. So now it's let's, I I need to put this frustration on someone. I'm going to put on an Uber driver. Uber driver was discriminatory, even though I know in her heart of heart, she probably realized that that's not true, but she needs to feel better about whatever terrible situation she's in. And I think we see more and more of that over the last, especially the last two years that we've we've become more antisocial as a society. Um, We're becoming more isolated and we're just looking for a reason to act out against each other. And, but they don't understand that there's another human being on the other side there. And I'm sure most of us don't read the terms of service when we take these services. And, and it's just interesting how Uber tries to placate both sides. Right. And mostly it's always on the other side of the driver that gets the shaft, but um, that's just unfortunate that that went that way, but at least they did some level of uh, protocol and due diligence to put her back on, uh, put you back on. But yeah, I think we're just going to get more and more of that happening. And it's important to document everything, everything. Um, Like the moment you think this is going sideways, there's not a simple back, you know, simple get in, do your thing. And then you leave. If there's any kind of issue, yeah. Start saving those screenshots, put them in a folder, put them on your phone. You never know. You may think it was a, totally fine and then a couple of days later there's something going on you want to have that proof i think that's a, a great idea right. yeah, I, think, I think uber needs to take it one step further because I, I don't see a reason why this should continue to happen over and over again uh, you know like when you're checking out or when you're logging into a lot of the different apps <laughs> there's different you know checking you know confirmations you know that you've done this or that you've selected this and i think it would be easy enough for uber to add something about you know this is not an unaccompanied minor check here Check that if I have a child with me that's, you know, not meeting those high age weight requirements, I need to have, you know, I understand I need to have a restraint with them, you know, check that so that by the time the driver gets there, you know, they're not getting into that situation where A, they're not going to make money from not doing this ride, but B, they're not going to be in an argument with this customer because of these expectations that the correct driver following the rules has, but the customer is unaware of. I I think they know that most parents or most people that have small children are not going to have the proper restraints. If you don't have a car, you don't have it, right? For the most part, you don't, you probably are not going to spend, I think when I, how much, I don't know my car seat was, but it's kind of expensive, but I had a car. I kind of made that show. Like, oh, I have a kid. I'm going to show I have my own car to drive around. So I don't have to worry about that type of thing. Make sure they're secure all the time. But I think Uber knows that. I think Steve, you've you've mentioned this before where they kind of know they, they have the information and they're like, well, if we put too much restrictions on the, the idea you can't get this service, then we lose money. So let's just let it happen. Right. And then mm-hmm. when something goes wrong, you can point to the driver. Hey, you messed up. You should have not allowed this person in without these these uh, you know restraints for the child. And they 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 can rust their hands and say we did our job. But I think they know that that's why they want to put too many options to disqualify potential customers. Yeah, that makes sense from definitely the Uber perspective. Yeah. Right. But they're they're out there 
constantly saying, I mean, not just Uber, but DoorDash and Lyft and everything, that driver safety is so important to them. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like what John just said, like, yeah, I get there and then I'm having a confrontation with a customer. And I yeah. have had confrontations with angry mothers because I won't let their 14 year old in my car without them. You know, yeah. Yeah. and I, I would I, I here's why I said professional counselor about her. I don't know that, but Lisa, I'm sure you're aware that there are those types out there. And honestly, guys, these people cancel so often and go through these type things that somebody did with Lisa that they'll call and cancel it like three times till like we were just talking about till somebody does come and we'll just take them because they don't know better. They're, or they're willing to take the risk, whatever. Right. But it becomes, a. it's not about like getting back at Lisa a lot of times. It's really about that $5. They're like, oh, I know that I'm going to have to go through a few drivers before I'll get one who will actually do it. It's almost like they know. I'm going to have to get three drivers out here before one will take me usually. And I got to cancel two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's sort of like a combination of two things, right? I think people, a lot of writers or a lot of people ordering the food think that they're taking action against Uber or corporate, Right. And they don't actually realize that the downstream effect of actually Uber is then taking it out on a driver, basically. And I think the other one, too, is just, uh, you know, I think it's sort of the platforms having it both ways again. Right? Like we want to be able to have more rides from riders, so we're going to turn a blind eye, which would be okay if you then had the drivers back, right? And I think it's yeah, right. Right. <laughs> right. It's like we're going to make the conscious decision to turn the blind eye but make it your responsibility and throw you under the bus if something goes wrong. Right. And it's just not cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They don't. Yeah. Even to the, I mean, it shouldn't matter if it's your second day or your hundredth day, they should, you know, they either should have your back on some level or they should have nobody's back on any level. Right. Yeah. And with with the scenario they put out there and create, to me, it's the environment of they don't, they shouldn't have anybody's back, period. Sorry, guys. Independent contractor, customer looking for independent contractor. We just put you together. You deal with it. I'm much more for that than, okay, give her back her five bucks and deactivate Lisa. Right. Although Hannibal just made me look up child car seats and i didn't realize they're 40 bucks 50 bucks 300 bucks 700 bucks like, but you is, can also yeah. dude i, I, I got next too you can also get them for tw- like let me put it this oh, way no, they're, they're like, no most of them are 30 or 40 bucks i'm just shocked there's a 700 so anybody who goes to the airport with kids or mo- i've never had an issue with this but anybody who goes to the airport with kids always a car seat they're always responsible or at least or, in my opinion at least they, a, a pro tip if you're going to have a child and get a baby shower, try to put that in the registry so someone else buys it. Yeah, I think I spend at least two or $300 on, on the car seat. Because I mean, also, you start to get panicky. Like, okay, what's the best? You don't want to get the cheapest. You want to get like the most expensive because you think it's going to protect the... You know what I mean? So, But um, you, you definitely want to protect your child. And I think if even if you don't have a car and you're going to be taking a lot of Ubers and Lyfts, I, I, I strongly recommend. It's in the protocol. It's safe. Go get one. Just have right. one. And I think you don't have to worry about it because accidents do happen. You know? Yeah. Right. I mean, 50% I mean, of accidents are the other person's fault. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Good one. Good one. <laughs> yeah. I would say as a mom, I understand not wanting to carry around booster seats or Tough. car seats Get because car those things are huge <laughs> and bulky. I can understand that. But guess what? Um, there are car seats available um, that are very compact, like travel car seats. 
-hmm. and they're like $30. I, um, or quit trying to get the cheapest ride out of Uber and do what you've always always been known. Call a cab, even though it's still dangerous, they allow it. Right. Well, for me now, there's sort of like a record about sort of the, you know, this lady or some other lady who, or some other person who doesn't use a car seat. Right. What's crazy to me is sort of in the letter that Uber wrote to us, they're saying, Hey, David, by offering para, you're invoking drivers to break the terms of service. And you're just like, in this exact case, you Uber yourself <laughs> right. drivers to break your own terms of service on purpose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. You know, David, I was I was saying that I know that like Uber dabbled and they very much dabbled with having profiles and letting you favor a driver. I mean, they got out of it real quick, but they dabbled in it. I don't see why one they don't have to allow the favorites. I think it would be a great idea, but people the churn rate and stuff, some of you might be favored in and then they're just gone. I get some of that, but I what I don't get is why each driver can't have a personalized message. That whenever they accept, not declines, obviously, but whenever they accept the ride and they're on their way, not just your driver is on the way, the Uber message. Because, again, Uber's not the independent contractor. They're just the SAAS passing it along. So why can't Lisa write her own or I write my own saying, hey, um, you know, I uh, no smoking in my car, um, even though some of these are in the TOS. That, like you said, people don't read them. So no smoking in the car. Um, no uh, no children without uh, child seats. No minors, unaccompanied minors under 18. Why can't no open that, containers? If this is a problem, please cancel right away. So that something like that, so that somebody would get, so that me, the customer, would go, oh, I am trying to scam them and get kid seats in there, but they specifically say no. I think uh, that's actually one of the most requested one of the more requested features that we've had is can you just automatically send somebody who accepts that a customized text? Uh, right. Or even like in, in a customized one that you don't have to do it every time. It's just, you just default. Oh yeah. Yeah. You just set it and it gets yeah. sent. The problem for para doing it is like uh, the apps guard, the phone number of the end customer right. super you, securely yeah, as they para should. Would, para would be like, potentially crossing some lines. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they shouldn't keep that secure, right? But yeah. I, I do see that. I mean, I think the answer at the end of the day is really when we when I worked at Uber, the number one thing was marketplace liquidity. Basically, the whole goal was what can we do to get that ETA as low as possible because that's how we beat Lyft. Right. And that's really the exactly. Lens. But <laughs> wouldn't they rather like that? Wouldn't they, if Lisa's coming to get you and you're trying to play the scam, wouldn't you rather get in a, like an immediate alert saying Lisa's on her way and then here's her rules and you see it and you're like, Ooh, she's hard on that one. Let's just cancel. And then just try because you're going to get it quicker anyway. Yeah. No, reminds me you're is, looking uh, for. Yeah. Like my, where I live back home, we had a, a bunch of break-ins in the neighborhood and my dad went and built like a like barbed wire fence and the neighbors came over and they were just like, Hey, like, you know, that fence isn't that secure. If somebody wanted to get in, they could get in. My dad's like, yeah, I just want somebody to walk by and be like, I'll rob anyone else, but this guy's house. <laughs> right? He's like, the goal, he's like, the goal isn't for my fence to be the most secure. My goal is to funnel them your way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, your dad was actually pretty smart because criminals want to do the least amount of work. So if a yep. deter like a deterrent like that will make <laughs> them go somewhere else, pick an easier target. For sure. And I guess I guess one of my the one of the biggest things and why we probably hit on this so hard tonight, guys, was because 
going into the next year where things are going to change in many states, even with the upfront pricing, this isn't going to protect you. It's just showing you transparency. It's not going to protect you from these type situations, though, is really watch your back. You know, if like in Lisa's case, you know, once it comes down to the lady, if if she really couldn't tell, but if she even felt that like maybe she's going to really push this, then just cancel it. Even though, like I said, it's that five bucks helps, but it's not a game changer. Right. It just helps a little, but like, and you also don't want to go around doing that favor all the time too, because that's what they want. But um, with all the changes coming in, just don't, again, it's one of those ta- things. Don't count on Uber and remember, they're not going to help you. They're going to help the customer always. But in Lisa's case, she got very, very, very lucky. And I'm yeah. just going to say it that way that she got reactivated. That's my opinion. Um, I don't think that happens too often, even in cases like this where she's completely in the right. Um, I just don't think it does. Um, but thank you for sharing that story, Lisa. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's move into some other apps because I want to talk about this 2022 ending. Um, and we've talked about like all these, you know, all the big boy apps and a couple that we're going to hit on here because I know that I'm going to hit on, I'm going to ask about John about three that I have worked one of. Um, one never came to my market and I didn't work one of the three because uh, the Drivens told me it sucked here. And I kind of had already been told that. So, <laughs> Lisa and Tony said, so um the one that i have done that you've done is shipped um and i wanted to i want to hit on that a little bit spark and corner shop like you had a shot at corner shot i never did we never i never got it here corner shop was a quick fast love affair it was here then it was gone but but you but you had it longer than most most people it was a quick quick love affair it seemed like you had it for a bit Right. Yeah. The one thing I would do kind of semi regret about Corner Shop is that um, the app isn't as user friendly. So when I first got on there, I didn't take an order for probably two or three months. And then I got on it. And then three or four months later, it was, hey, we're going to go away in two, three months. So, But they were paying like crazy spark type prices and things like that for you to go do shops. Right. That is curry type pricing. So the yeah. big thing with Corner Shop was their pay model. It did two or three things very well. It separated the picking, which is like the shopping, from the delivery. Uh, secondly, it uh, had a variable pay for based on the weight of the items. So like if uh, the number of the items and the weight came into factor, if you're picking up a lot of water, because those are heavy. So that would pay you more for that, the number of the items. So a five-item order is going to pay you differently than a 40-item order. And then the distance you have to drive a to the store, which I don't think most apps do, as well as the distance that you drive to the customer. So by compensating for those multiple levels, as well as adding the tips on top of that, it made most shops at least fifteen to twenty dollars. Um, and they're you know for a smaller shop, and then the big shops for forty fifty dollars plus. So that that's what they did very well with that pay model. Now the reason they went away because they got bought by Uber. And then Uber basically made all of those orders uh, follow the Uber pay model, which is the $2 base pay, and then tips on top of that. Maybe yeah. a slightly higher pace pay for their shop and deliver orders, but not When you were, corner when shop you were shopping Corner Shop, though, they were part of Uber. They were owned by Uber. It was interesting. So right, they're owned they're by from Uber. Per, they're from Peru. Is that they're from the... Canada? Too. Oh, really? So they're from oh, Latin no. America. Somewhere in Latin America. Really? I don't know. Yeah, that. I think okay. it's Peru. Interesting. Yeah. 
But, so yeah, they were owned by Uber, but they weren't uh, integrated with the Uber platform from the delivery side. They were integrated with Uber from the buyer side. Like if I was a Uber Eats customer and I went to the grocery tab, I could order corner shop groceries. Right. And that brings me into, so that, that great pay that you were seeing on corner shop, and that's just the Uber way to do it quick. But now that brings me into Spark, which is the one of the uh, the three that I mentioned that I didn't do because the driven said it sucked, along with other people in my market. I know everybody right. around the country is raving about Spark. But here in Denver, I know a handful of people, um, including some gig tubers, uh, not just the Drivens, Van and uh, Ron Entree Courier, who have all tried Spark. We have had no luck with it here. We cannot make money with it here. And it's I don't know if it's an oversaturation or just one of those things where the market just doesn't pay like that. I don't, well, but I it seems like every it seems like we're always a great gig market for any app that comes here. But with Spark, it sucks, man. And I mean, I, I don't know. Tell me, because Spark, you seem yeah. to have the story that everybody else has. So I, I do think Spark is market dependent because at the end of the day, Spark is Walmart. And if you're, you know, the people in your area aren't shopping at Walmart. Number one, you're not going to get a good enough. Everybody order shops Walmart here. We have tons of them. Yeah. Right, so that's the first thing. And the second thing is then the store, because uh, with Spark, there's two basic types of orders. There's the uh, the delivery only where they come and they load up your trunk in your backseat and then you deliver. And then there's the shop and deliver orders. Now, if you're getting a lot of those delivery only orders, then you're going to be uh, subject to the wait times at that store. Uh, number one. Number two, that's if you even get a good order where the people are tipping well. So there still need some tips to make Spark worth it if you're doing those delivery only. Now, on the other side of the coin, their shopping orders, um, I'm not sure how they, how can I say this? I guess how they determine what's how many shop orders are going to be at a store. But those are the orders that I prefer. They have higher base pays. Uh, I mean, the shopping order is like a $15 base pay. And uh, it goes up from there based on you know the distance, the amount of items. I mean, I've seen a shop and deliver order that had a, just the other night had a $50 base pay on it for, I want to say, 60 items. So that's something that I'm not seeing on the other platforms like Shipped. Uh, even even on um, Corner Shop, that would have been probably a pretty high base pay. Um, but now, like I said, if you're not, your store is not getting a lot of shopping orders, then it's probably not going to be worth it because you're going to be stuck to either getting a good order uh, based on the tips and then B, if you have a wait time, it's going to depend on that wait time if it's worth it. If you have to wait an hour for a $30 order, maybe it's worth it. But, you know, it, oftentimes you're going to be waiting in, to get a second order. So it's not going to really be worth it in the long run. Sure. Yeah. And in some markets, I mean, like, and then there's markets like uh, Dashing Grandpa. He was he raved about Spark for the last six months. And he's just now starting to say, I think I'm seeing the downfall. And I've been telling him for a while, hey, man, all the honeymoon periods end. Like, I've been, I'm going to knock wood, but I've been surprised how long Curry's lasted. Um, yeah. I don't well, want to make it bad, but I know it's, it, it, I know it's also stuff that people pay a lot of money for that needs to go quick. So I understand the Curry model a little bit. But I, think I, do that, have I, I don't think Walmart Spark is here to stay at these rates. That's my take on it. Right. I, I would say there's some things. There's one thing that just happened last week that, um, it's, it's interesting. So Walmart Spark, there's already been a reduction in some of their, I want to say, base pays from what I understand from people who have been shopping longer and have been doing Spark longer than me. But one thing I've experienced since I've been on Spark is just last week, 
Um, so Spark has for their shopping orders, if you go when you're shopping and you can't find the items in there, say it's a one-item shop, and then that item's out of stock, the order gets canceled because the item's not in stock and you would get paid $11 for that cancellation. Um, now, as of, I want to say, three or four days ago, that cancellation fee for items being out of stock has dropped from $11 to two fifty. And so I would even know this until I was on Reddit and somebody mentioned it. And I was like, that just happened to me today. And I looked in there in my earnings expecting to see $11 and I saw two fifty. So there's definitely, that's a big decline. You know, it's not a situation that happens often. Um, but it's the first step. Right. It's happening. It's, it's, it's happening. not where it, it's it's not not where it ends. Happening. Let's be, exactly. let's just yeah. be straight up about it. It's not where it ends. It's just that's the, the only thing constant in life is change. And, you know, these companies are going to change or make changes that are going to make them more profits. So, yeah. Um, and then the last one I wanted to ask you about was shipped because you and I had been talking, uh, mm-hmm. last winter was my first time using shipped. You were making videos about it. That's actually when I was right. probably watching your channel a lot. Cause I, you had, a, you were a little in front of me with all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. I was actually just watching only your channel about ship stuff and I was learning all of it going, okay. Like you were teaching me some tricks. You taught me the trick about, uh, being able to use my, um, my, information yeah, to get gas points and things i had no idea I, I know it's in the tos and i know that you can find it but you were the one that had a video out saying hey check this out if you guys can use your target account your safeway account your mm-hmm. this all your grocery accounts to get gas points and, and grocery point all the things you might do on every order i thought that's really cool like yeah. You know, nobody else is doing that. So um, that this winter compared to last, I have not been working it. I've had a lot of curry going on though, too, and other things, but I have been turning it on every day and I'm not seeing anything close to what I did last year around this time. And I got to say that that shipped is uh, like the week before Thanksgiving until Christmas. That's shipped yeah. season right there. <laughs> Right. So the thing that I'm in my market that's interesting with Shipped is that last year there was all these shop and deliver promotions, right? And not seeing any this year. I'm seeing a lot of promotions for prescription delivery and then alcohol delivery. Yeah. So is alcohol I, good? Does alcohol pay well? It so it it's uh it can. There's some that um that are like shop and deliver and I see tips on those and then the ones that are um, just delivery only. Those ones, I don't see tips on those. The only biggest, the biggest challenge for me is that both of the big alcohol stores are about ten miles away from me, so I got to kind of go out of my way. I'll say eight miles away, so I have to go out of my way to go to get like most of the alcohol orders, and then the stores that are specific to their promos, like a Bevmo or a Total Wine. Have you so, ever gotten like a Drizzly order? Anyone here? Like sort of like I know Drizzly's technically with Uber. Well, no, yeah, I was gonna say now you'd get. And and they also didn't Drizzly. I mean, Uber owns them. They paid a billion dollars. <laughs> so they better own them. Uh, but doesn't Drizzly or Uber Drizzly now, however you want to word it, don't they also like contract out to DoorDash? They do, and I think they're pretty agnostic. I'm about to find out. One of the para users bought a liquor store, yeah, and mm-hmm. now has I think a delivery through. Uh, Drizzly, so he's going to call me and show right. me how so it works. As, as I understood it, you know, it's very, it was very difficult for 
Drizzly to get all the regulations in all the states they did. Very yeah, so I was wondering yeah. how it works. I was also pretty proud. I was like, hey, that's probably a good move. I don't know how one buys a liquor store, but probably a good, probably a good move. <laughs> but <laughs> somehow, I, th I think for some amount of time, or at least without such major funding, I don't think you could compete with Grizzly. That's why it was worth a billion dollars to Uber. And because DoorDash was using Drizzly, they Uber knew, well, they're not going to stop this. They're going to need to buy a license from us, and we'll just jack it up. But well, I know that David, I know you're all about the pharma space and I know you're all about the uh, um, delivering meds. And and I know that you were just asking about that liquor stuff, man. I still got to say, I I believe in it, but I think that uh, I think everybody needs to be very careful right now because this is one of those times when nothing has been set in stone, even by the companies of understanding it. And being coming from that, the liquor license world, I can tell you that everything I see and hear about liquor deliveries goes against everything I've ever learned from the state, from tip certification classes, from being a bartender, from working in the bars, from being a manager. It goes against everything I know. And I just, I feel like with these companies, when something goes against what you know, be careful. And you're now delivering alcohol. I don't know. Um, just because the here's what I know that it sounds weird. A lot of people might just not believe this, but just because Uber tells me it's okay, I don't buy that. Just well, see, me. the same probably the same way you feel about alcohol delivery. I'm kind of the same skepticism about prescription delivery because you never know what's in those bags, controlled substances, or whatnot. And um, it's uh, I understand there's probably 80% of it is probably, we'll say, aspirin and stuff that's probably not too bad, but. Um, right. Or, you know, I mean, what about what about the people who, you know, like people taking lots of pills who are, you know, maybe they're in a lot of pain, too, or whatever, but they're in a daze sometimes and somehow they counted it and they're like, John stole half my pills. Now you're fired. Yeah. Yeah. Or anything related. It's to a that. stapled bag. I've delivered for shipped yeah. a couple of pharmacies mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm not doing these anymore. It's, we've got a pharmacy company who actually pays their offering to pay really well for drivers, uh, but they are delivering controlled substances. They just straight up said most of this is controlled substances, uh, but they're going to pay eight to 12 bucks per drop off and 25 cents a mile, basically. But I, what um, I would want to know, David, is are they, are they, are they getting you bonded through them? Oh, or so that, that's uh, where I was going to go with this is uh, what's happening is Jimmy and I are going to Hagerstown, Maryland, which is where their headquarters <laughs> is. And we're going to be delivering for a couple of weeks just to get a sense for like, what is this like? Are you good? Like, you know, who are the, what are the customers like? What is the experience like? What happens if you get in trouble? All of that. So I think, you know, yeah, that's going to be my mid-January, which should be. I, mean, I agree. We'll get so. there. But uh, right now I feel like it's like, well, yeah, we just started offering that. And if like some lawsuit happened, again, I feel like they're going to turn their back on you just because they offer that service. Again, you're till things, and hopefully they won't, but till things change or get some kind of regulations, you're an independent contractor. If you decide to pick those up, that's on you. Um, you got to add to the customer. I won't get into it too deep because I want to get in. I want to have time to get in this last uh, stuff about some other apps with Hannibal too, but um, Uber Connect. Uber Connect is under mate is under federal investigation right now for drugs. And I was saying that that's why they were shut down in 2017 in the Bay Area was because all it was was a drug ring. And they said no more of that. And they shut it down. And now there's and now 
lawmakers are call, both sides of the aisle are calling like, hey, uh-uh. Like how nobody knows what's going on in these. And I had some people say to me, well, but what about this or that? Or, you know, if you drop a package in a mailbox that's already weighed and you've, and you've postmarked it, you're mailing it. Yeah, but okay. Those go through scanners. Um, even the ones that you drop in a drop box, they don't just go into a guy's truck and then he takes it where it's going. They go to a prop, they go to a, um, to a warehouse and then they get scanned or whatever. Um, I can tell you that walking into a FedEx or a UPS store these days is not the same. It's not just like, hey, how you doing? Okay, I'll take that. Now it's like, okay, let me see your ID. Like they're very serious about who's coming in there now. So like to have an Uber Connect guy drive up and go, hey, open your trunk. Here, go deliver that for me. Like there is no accountability at all. I mean, there's a yeah. reason that these these people are choosing the lowest security method to deliver these packages. Yeah. Um, people people underrate criminal intelligence. They just uh, apply their intelligence to the wrong things. <laughs> so Hannibal and I do a show once a month called Beyond the Algorithm. It's on his channel. Hannibal is hungry on YouTube. And uh, it's really been fun, but I think that it's been interesting too, because I think in the new year, this is going to play out huge because we talk about um, dumpling. We've talked about curry. We've talked about Rover. We've talked about renting your Airbnb yard out for a dog park. We've talked about other last mile services, medical couriers, um, you know, work from home gigs, all these things that people need to be starting to look into. Again, when, if you're a multi-apper, this would be major multi-apping because you might find some days you can do some of this from home. So I don't know, Hannibal, like, you wanna you wanna roll through some of the things we've talked about with beyond the algorithm because I think we've hit on a lot of really cool stuff. Yes, uh, definitely. I mean, including uh, cuddling. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not no. That's not. <laughs> but uh, we we talk about um, a lot of different um, apps and services. Um, mostly, some most of it's not even apps. It's it's really websites you sign up for. And I think what we preach on that um, that segment that we do at least once. I think at one point it was tw- uh, twice a month. We try and we figure out the schedule. I think it's monthly. But the idea that you can leverage your skills. Um, in other ways to generate income. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be based on, um, you know, food delivery or ride share. There's a lot of different things. I think um, in this community, there's so many um, talented, um, hardworking people that have all types of skills, but they don't think they can leverage them to generate income. And the more you take the time to learn, if you love writing, if you love, if you have experience with cars, you have, there's so many different types of experiences that people are willing to pay you for. If you take the time to look up some of these, um, these jobs, so, or gigs. So I, I think it, it's a great, um, it's a great segment, just a great video that we, we, we do live, live stream that we do just to have, um, just to spark some ideas into the gig economy community to just to think about like, you know, it may not just all be about courier, but courier stuff is great too. But at the same time, um, it's it's a good idea to kind of expand a little bit. You know, get out your comfort zone, try new things out because you may actually enjoy them, and the pay may be even better than what you're currently doing. I was gonna say, like, if you look at Hannibal's, like, I was gonna ask him right before we went live, like, if he had a quick, but I didn't want to have to, you know, clip anything or whatever. But I've seen a couple of videos of his where he posts his rover earnings. Yeah. I mean, his, his rover earnings for the year are great, but like we've taught Hanwell and I have talked about this quite a bit that, uh, you know, the time of year, any holidays, any, I mean, just pay off like a month or two worth of stuff. If you get the right job, I mean, you can make 
I mean, what I said 80, and I think Hannibal corrected me and said that it's now over a hundred billion dollar a year space is the pet industry. Yeah, people um, love their pets more than you know, their children people. sometimes. <laughs> people, uh, they will spend their last dollar on the animals. And for those who may not know, Rover is a platform that connects dog owners to uh, dog sitters, dog walkers. I've been on a platform since 2018. Um, I've been taking care of dogs for probably over 10 years. And it's one of the very few, I mean, it, this is the reason why I'm able to do independent contractor work for the last, going on three years, full time. Um, one of the best things about it is the ability that I can change, I can ch- change my rates. I can charge my own rates for dog um, walk, you know, setting services, dog walking services. I can, I can put as much as I want. If I want to charge a hundred dollars for half an hour, I can't do that. Um, how many, how many clients I would get, you know, that that's another question, but I'm able to tailor my prices uh, to the needs of my clients in the marketplace. Um, you know, just having a variety of services, overnight stays, you can take care of cats, stuff like that. Um, and also you're able to, uh, I could add my own restrictions. I may not want a dog that's a hundred pounds or something like that, or, or certain kinds of breeds. It's, it's my business. It's my home, uh, taking care of dogs in my home or going to walk them. I set those restrictions. All that is on the, my Rover profile. And I like the idea of just, I have my own client base. That's what Rover is about. And even, you know, talking about dumpling, you have your own client base. So it, it gets to a point where I, these dogs are like my family. Um, I have, I have right now my key, my key ring. I have several keys to people's homes. They trust me with, my, with, their, with their keys. I can go in there and take care of the animals. And, you know, holiday season is, is fantastic. It's really busy and people are very generous. I mean, I, I get cookies, you know, sometimes bottles of wine. Um, this, this holiday season, I'm, I was offered edibles. People are very, very sweet when you take care of the animals, they take care of cats and dogs. Um, it's it's such a, a a really awesome experience. And that's why I probably I've been on it since 2018. Back then it was part time, but now it's full time. Um, I think these this is where you really enjoy gig work or enjoy the gig economy when you have that ability to have your own clients. They know your name. I know their name. Um, holidays. Sometimes I get texts. Sometimes I get uh, cards, holiday cards. That That's why I enjoy it. And I think if there was some way to get the other <laughs> apps to kind of figure that you know, dumplings kind of figure it out. But the idea that having those kind of relationships really build the business, I think everything, everyone will be a little bit happier, I think. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think for number one, for two reasons. Number one, with Rover, like you mentioned, able to set your rates, uh, essentially as the economy and, you know, inflation changes, DoorDash drivers are still getting the same base pay. Yep. With Rover, you can actually run it like a business. You can increase your rates, commensurate with, the way that costs are increasing to run your business. I think that's huge. Yeah. And like right now, today, New York City Uber drivers were on strike because today was supposed to be the raise day. Today was they're supposed to get a, a more money uh, for, for the driving, but Uber um, basically sued. Uh, and the court uh, judge, I guess, let them kind of go along with it, kick the can down the road until next month to kind of figure out this situation. And, and I, I as much as they did strike, I, I'm, I'm assuming I, I saw a lot of cabs. I saw a lot of uh, Ubers outside today. So who knows they actually work, but that's the problem. There, there is the connection between you know, contractors and the company they're working for and the, and the customers that they're serving. It's just so it's combative. It's, it's a division. There's, there's no sense of community compared to Rover and other um, apps where you know, it's a little different though. I am taking care of a living being, but you know, rideshare is very important. You're taking care of, human beings, you're transporting them yeah. to one location to the next, but th- that sense of community and um, togetherness is just not there 
especially when it comes to Uber trying to make sure they get as much money as possible. I think those issues happen and the division will continue to have uh, to be there between them. My guess is I'm just guessing. I know it's New York City. It is a little bit different, but my guess is there wasn't even a hiccup on the platform today. I don't think so. People got bills so. to pay, especially this time of the year to just strike 10 days before Christmas or however many and, days. And, yeah. and the, the, for the people who did and, strike, and, and, and I understand again, it's de- they're desperate. Strike? I mean, they, they, they want but sit at I, home. Well, I think they were Take promised something. Off. They thought they were going to make more money and Uber kind of hit them right around the holiday season. And I, I, when you're desperate, things happen, unfortunately, even if they, even if what you're trying to do doesn't work. Yeah, I have a question for Lisa. So like when this Uber thing was going down, did you, what backup plan or what were you uh, like, other than fighting it, like what was on your mind? Um, well, I didn't realize that I was deactivated when I got the phone call. Like I did not know because I had not seen. So I looked it up earlier. I got the email at like 8.21 a.m. on Tuesday. I got a phone call from Uber at 9 and I was reactivated at 9.55. So I didn't know that I was deactivated. But I mean, um, I would say that if I had known, realizing that, oh, it's taking away like this income stream for me. Um, I do have other apps like I have Lyft. Um, and actually, a lot of times Lyft Lux is is my bread and butter. It's like I'm on Lyft more than I am on Uber. Um, I have DoorDash. But it would which, suck to lose it because Uber meant you lost Uber Eats. You lost. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I don't. Uber Eats and DoorDash was what I was doing primarily for like the last year. And then I realized Tony's earnings doing rideshare is where I really needed to put my focus. Um, it pays so much better than the food delivery. So, I mean, honestly, most of the time when I am out driving, I have on Uber comfort and Lyft Lux and that's it. I yeah. don't have on the food delivery. I don't have on Uber eats or Uber X. Um, this ride request was Uber X and I had that on only because, um, you know, the market was slow. And it was like, I need, I need to do something It's better than nothing. But I mean, I mean, I have all sorts of apps and I think that what Steve and Hannibal are doing is great because it is teaching us to like diversify, not put our eggs into one basket because like with the Uber situation that happens all the time to drivers and they're not as lucky as I am. Um, So, you know, it is important for you to look at other apps, other websites, other means of making money because, you know, at any point in time, you can be deactivated. Yeah, like with not. the prescription deliveries and the the alcohol deliveries. Like for me, that's another liability I won't take on yeah. when it becomes legal here in Colorado because, yeah. I Lisa, don't I, had a, I had a rideshare driver on the podcast about on the audio podcast about seven months ago who had 11,000 plus rides under his belt. And, um, and he was deactivated on a day. He didn't even turn the app on. 
Yeah, I remember you telling me about that like last week. I mean, I've so. heard of this other, from other people too, but I had him on the podcast and we went through it and he was showing me like, we went through all these screenshots and everything, but it was the audio podcast. So obviously not helpful, but <laughs> it was to me. But um, it was it was crazy. He didn't, and I mean like, you know, I was thinking, well, did you turn it on? No, you just weren't working. But he really like, I, I can genuinely say he didn't turn it on. Well, I mean, the day that I was deactivated, I didn't turn the app on either. It was a Tuesday, but it was from, you know, an event if that I, had happened Am I remembering this wrong? I feel like you got the reactivation email before the deactivation email. <laughs> okay, well, I saw the reactivation email before oh, okay, I saw okay. the deactivation email. Um, so It just seemed very uber, so okay. But yeah. Like <laughs> Hannibal, if you've got something interesting, I'm down to try something. So if you've got something on that list you want me to try, I'm down to try something. Uh, you know what? We'll we'll talk. I know. <laughs> we'll talk later. But yeah, we're gonna. I mean, me and Steve are gonna probably. Um, obviously, is the new year is coming. There's some other ideas I've seen. Stuff that we kind of ran through. Um, because some episodes have been really uh, intense. Well, a lot of information. I think we should like break it up even more yeah. for certain situations. I've seen some, I've seen some jobs and some gigs that are very beneficial, especially for more stay at home. I know, I think you guys like to be outside and kind of, you know, do your thing. But I think, you know, there's some people that may want to just chill at home and they may not necessarily earn as much, but you know, the car stays a little fresher and they get to hang out being in pajamas. So we will have more um, of those kinds of jobs the next year. Um, especially if you know how the economy is kind of shifting around, but yeah, we definitely have more come out there. I would say I mean, what Han- Hannibal's, Hannibal's writing now too. He wasn't doing that when I met him. I mean, maybe he was, but not like he is now. But yeah. um, but David, also one of the ones that we didn't even mention that I think you were either trying or looking into was luggage. <laughs> uh, yep, looking looking into. I haven't gotten a good luggage one yet, but looking into it. Um. Okay, well, uh, let's go around this uh, uh, and uh, see if we have any final words or uh, um, is there is there anything else that uh, people what what what's your everybody give a let's let's all give a uh, a quick like two sentence uh, what gig workers should know in twenty twenty three whether new or veteran or I've got to run but I think sort of a uh, it really is you know diversify options be in charge of your work. Right. You know, just, yeah, I think, you know, that's the takeaway from the chat here. Hannibal, what do you got? Uh, I I think definitely you want to be, you want to be safe out there. Um, I don't know if you, I mean, life, you still want to take some chances, but there's certain situations I, you know, I think I'll go with what Lisa was saying. Like you, if you want to trust your intuition, when you think that something is not going the way that it should be, and you just feel it, the more, the more you do it, the more you you had that feeling it's always good to document sometimes to back away um definitely want to be safe uh because you know 2023 may be a bit shaky volatile volatile year especially for the economy so just be safe out there john what do you got man i would say going to 2023 lean towards this is me personally but towards being smart with your with how you're using the gig apps. Um, look at the mileage. Make sure you're taking care of your car. Um, make sure you have backup plans and make sure you're diversified. But make sure that you're doing the getting the most out of your time, the most out of your effort, um, and then you know having a backup plan. So just being smart and having a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lisa, how about you? Um, I would say 
um, definitely set goals for yourself and um, figure out what apps would help you reach that goal um, the fastest and don't do anything in your market too. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, you know, be smart, do some research, understand your market. Sometimes that's through trial and error and don't do anything that you're not comfortable with. Um, I know a lot of women are not comfortable with rideshare, so don't do rideshare if you're not comfortable doing it. There's lots of other ways of making money. Um, that's not going to put you in an uncomfortable situation where you feel unsafe. So, so I guess my, my last thing would be diversify. Um, just like people, just like investors do with portfolios, diverse, diversify your gig work as much as you can. You know, we've always said be on as many apps as you can be multi-apping, but I'm by this diver, diversify for 2023. I'm actually thinking differently. I'm thinking, get on all the apps. Get on some of the websites Hannibal and I talk about. Go deliver some luggage and get your hand wet in it. Even if like you stop doing it, you know, don't quit. Just leave it open in case you want to go back, but have as much as available as you, as you can to you. Um, you know, holidays, luggage delivery pays a lot better, I'm sure, than like, uh, you know, like middle of January, you know? So, I mean, like the holidays are great, but also... In 2023, if like you, if you multi-app, let's just keep it easy and say you got five or six apps, you're multi-apping and you really only work two. I would say in 2023, try and work a couple hours on every one that you're multi-apping a week or a couple deliveries or whatever rides or whatever each one is calling for. But don't just turn them on, see if they're not, if they're offering good or not. Even I'm not saying take bad offers, but Find something that, well, it's not great, but let me take it just to show activity on all these apps that you are a weekly user, because I think that that is going to be sooner or later, guys, like I'm going to say something here right now. Lyft and Uber already do shared data. So if they deactivate a driver, they like for any kind of like if you if you get accused of in the rideshare industry, you are guilty until proven innocent. Um, you know, so if like you do, if, if somebody were to say that they were some, some person was drunk and I drove them home and they said, I, I touched them. That one doesn't just get me deactivated from Lyft. Lyft actually sends something over and does a data sharing with Uber and they deactivate me over on Uber rideshare too. So it depends on the offense, but that, I guess my point is if that's already happening on any level, Soon it will be happening. Like there's going to be some, like uh, I can't remember what the, the lawyers thing is called, where they can like instantly send documents, and it's just for lawyers. But pretty soon these apps are going to have a way to go. Hey, he just broke this. Like, and who knows? You might, you know, you might do something on one app, and even maybe you did do it, and you're like, I shouldn't have done that. And then all of a sudden you find out that de- day you're deactivated from three, that one and two others. I think that yeah. kind of day is coming and I, uh, I say diversify, diversify, do, ev- do everything. Cause gig work is all about that. I'm used to the traditional gig work of going and doing production shows, whatnot, being on set for days, knowing my daily, uh, pay my per diem, my hotel, everything that's involved. I know it all up front. That's why I'm a big transparency person. Um, 
but 2023 is going to be strange. Some states aren't going to have choices and the ones that are diversify immediately. And that's, I, I could give a lot of different pieces of advice here, but I think that's one of the biggest ones with me right now is diversify and do it now because in, you know, like if you're not signed up for a couple apps and you've just been putting it off because you're doing good on the others, sign up now, get on it before the new year. Definitely. You know, I, it's just, it. I don't even know if there's any logic behind it. It's just a feeling I have that it's a smart play right now. If there's any apps you're willing to work, you're not on them, get on them right now. So um, with that said, uh, this is normally where I say bye to David. <laughs> uh, but that's a wrap. Thank you, Lisa, John, and Hannibal and for joining us. And again, you can find all their YouTube channels in the show notes. And thank you viewers for watching and join David and I back here every week for another pair of panel and have a great week, everyone.